from Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Earl Foreman, Johnny. Earl, I just left you down in Florida. Where are you? Right where you left me, right here in Sarasota. Oh, well, if you're worried about my expense account for that case we cleaned up together, I was just about to mail it to you. Why don't you bring it down here instead? Huh? A couple of hours after you hopped aboard your plane back to Hartford, I got a phone call from Bill Hall. Remember him? Fellow who runs that men's shop on the Tamiami Trail? That's right, Webb. Bill owns the place. Sure, I bought a sport jacket and a couple of pairs of slacks there at West. Well, somebody cleaned him out of about $10,000 worth of merchandise last night. Oh, and you'd insured it for him? Yes, I'd also issued a $10,000 policy on the man he had there as a night watchman. Earl. Yeah, Johnny. The police think he was murdered. Okay, I'll grab the first plane I can. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Tri-State Life and Casualty Company, Sarasota office. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the net of circumstance matter. Expense account item one, $75, plane fare and incidentals, Hartford to Tampa, Florida. There I'd figured on changing planes, but Earl Foreman met me in his car, and by 7 p.m. we arrived in Sarasota. We drove straight to Webb's. The place was in a mess. Well, I'll say this, Mr. Pullman. You certainly didn't waste any time. Well, I didn't see any reason to, Bill. Johnny, you remember Bill Hall. Yeah, sure. How are you, Bill? Not good, Dollar. Not good. Look at the place. Yeah, I see. You've lost a lot of your stock. We haven't finished checking yet. I sent the boys home to get some sleep, but as nearly as we can tell, whoever did this got away with over 9,000 worth of clothing and accessories. And heaven knows what they did to old Jimson. Jimson? Jimson Cooley, the night watchman. Sir, you said over the phone that you thought he's been murdered. Yes, sir. Somehow, they must have got old Jimson to open the back door for them. Then, when he saw what they were up to, he tried to fight them off. You'll see the marks of a big struggle out back. And bits of his clothing were lying around, covered with blood. But no sign of him. Johnny, the police figured that they must have killed him and then dumped his body somewhere. You keep saying they, Bill. They had so little time that, well, one man couldn't have done it alone very well. You see, it all happened between the regular rounds of the PD's prowl car. Last time this sort of thing happened, there were three men in on it. Were you been robbed before? About a year ago, something like 18,000 worth. The police managed to track down two of them. Oh, what about the third? Well, he was never identified, or rather he was identified but never located. Anyhow, it was after that that we put old Jimson on as night watchman. Hmm. I wonder about that third man. Was your store the only place that Jimson watched? Yeah, after all, he was a pretty old man. I, I gave him the job to help him out as much as anything else. And I figured his just being around would keep something like this from happening again. I guess I was wrong. Jimson used to run a shrimp boat in his spare time. He used to work the spot east of Humpback Bridge a lot, south of City Island. That's right. Come to think of it, I heard a boat working out there last night. The point is, he couldn't really make a living at it, so he was glad to take what little we could give him for this watchman's job. And in return, somebody's taken his life. I'm afraid so. 
course, you can't be sure until his body's found. What are you thinking of, Johnny? Well, if by any chance this Jimson Cooley isn't dead, the police say that according to all the evidence... If he's still alive, he's the one person who could tell us something about whoever cleaned out this shop. Have the police found any actual clues to work on? Well, no. That's where you're wrong, sir. Uh, Sergeant Drummond. That's right. Johnny boy, how are you? Hiya, Sergeant. So they dragged you in on this. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Well, you know how it is, Drummond. When the police can't get anywhere, you call in the expert. Oh, and I thought you were a friend of mine, Mr. Pullman. You said that Bill was wrong, Sergeant. What, sir? When he told me your boys haven't found any clues to who did this job and knocked off Jimson Cooley. Knocked him off, huh? Well, now, what's that mean? One of the boys picked up a drunk last night right in this neighborhood. Yeah? Late this morning, when he'd sobered up enough, we sent him home. A little while ago, he comes barging back to headquarters. Seems he'd suddenly remembered something he saw around here last night. Come on, Sergeant. Oh, it must have been around 2 or 3 a.m. That's when we figured the robbery occurred. And the murder of Jimson Cooley. Yeah. Please, get to the point, Drummond. Well, he was holding up that building across the street, minding his own business and his bottle, when all of a sudden he saw a car come round from in back of this building and head north on the trail. Maybe two of them, he wasn't sure. Anyhow, the one he noticed was a little pickup truck. But in his condition, I suppose he didn't get a license number. Didn't need to, Johnny, because he recognized that truck. Oh? Yes, sir. And he said it was all loaded down with something, with an old piece of canvas stretched over it. The stuff that was stolen from me. Maybe. You say he recognized that pickup? Whose was it? Yeah. Johnny, it was that old 1930 model he used the whole shrimp in. What? Whose? That's you right. Mean... That's right. It was that old truck that Jim Smoothie. <laughs> Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the net of circumstance matter. Yeah, everything indicated that whoever burglarized Webb's haberdashery there in Sarasota had murdered the night watchman, old Jimson Coley. That is, until somebody reported having seen a loaded pickup truck at the time of the robbery pull away from the back of the store. And whose truck was it? Yes, sir. He swears it was that old 1930 pickup of Jimson Cooley's. And he says it went north on the Tamiami Trail. Yes, sir. Well, what have you done about it, Sergeant? Alerted every police department from here to the Georgia State Line to be on the lookout for him. Didn't you know that truck was missing from wherever Jimson lived? Well, we hadn't actually got around to checking on his place yet. You thought he was murdered, and you didn't even bother to check his home? Well, we called his wife, Johnny, and when she said he hadn't come home with all the evidence of a big fight out back of this store... Oh, fine. You can't blame him, Johnny. All the blood back there, bits of Jimson's clothing, it were two enough on... Look, look, maybe it's just a wild hunch, but... Earl. Yes, Johnny? You suppose Doc Crutcher's at home? Probably. Lives just up the street from my house. Oh, we got a doctor connected with headquarters, you know, Johnny. Well, how do we get out the back way? Why, right out here, Johnny. What's this hunch you've got? Uh, tell you, Earl, and it'd probably turn out to be wrong. Yeah. Now, you can see for yourself, Dollar, while we figured I'm a dead one. Old Jimson, I mean. Yeah. It's busted railing, blood spattered around, and look there, where somebody hit the dirt. A pool of blood there, too. You must have lost plenty. And also, we picked up a short length of lead pipe with blood on it. Is this a piece of cloth from the shirt he was wearing? Yeah, Johnny, it's from a shirt I gave him. Torn off in the fight. Oh, well, I guess we must overlook that little piece. Yeah, and maybe that isn't all. Mind if I keep it? Oh, sure, go ahead. What would you mean? Come on, Earl. If you feel like driving me around a bit, there are a couple of people I'd like to see. Sure. No, no, wait a minute. We'll see you later. Yeah, it was a hunch, nothing else. But I learned a long time ago that sometimes it pays to play a hunch for all it's worth, particularly when you haven't anything real solid to work on. 
Ignoring Earl's questions, I had him drive me to Doc Crutcher's home out on St. Armand's Key. Fortunately, he was at home. Even better, we found him in his study, poring over a microscope. Oh, sure, Johnny. I'd be glad to, just as soon as I finish making this hemoglobin count. Well, there's no hurry, Doc. I'll drop by and check with you later. Jimson Cooley, huh? We, uh, uh, we'll see. Look, Johnny, do you mind telling me what this is all about? Not until I'm sure myself, Earl. Listen, do you think you can find out where old Jimson's wife lives? Sure, I guess I could. Don't you mean widow, Johnny? Maybe. Well, last I heard... Everything I've heard, well, it doesn't all tie up. But, Johnny, if Jimson's still alive... That's what I'm banking on. Come on, Earl. The Cooley place, far out on the edge of town, was a shack and nothing more. In the darkness, it didn't look much better than the beat-up chicken house at the back of it. As for the chickens, well, half of them were asleep out in the yard until we got there. Yes, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yes, what... Oh, Mr. Palmer. Mrs. Cooley, this is Mr. Johnny Dollar. Listen in now, Mr. Palmer. They found Jimson's body yet? Well, no. As a matter of fact... Well, I that... sure hope they do. That's all I got to say. Because if they don't, at least what Miss Canterwell told me today, if they don't, I might have to wait five, six years for I can collect that insurance that Webb bought on him. Yeah. Well, got any news about him or not? Johnny, you, uh, you don't seem to care much whether your husband's alive or not, Mrs. Cooley. No, why should I? You lazy bum. It wasn't for me raising these hips. I said, And he was shrimping and selling them for bait to them Yankees that come down to fish around the other winter. He done pretty good. We had meat on the table now and then, besides chicken. But ever since they got in that soft job sitting around that store every night. Did you notify the police when he failed to come home this morning? I did not. Besides, when I seen that one of them nets was missing. You see where he keeps them hung over the limb of that tree out there? Mrs. Cooley. Well, what I figured is maybe he'd gone out to do some more shrimping. Or else he'd taken it out and sold it so as he could buy some more of that rot gut he's been drinking lately. So I got this broom handy by the door. What do you mean? To keep him out so as he wouldn't try to come in and beat me. Beat you? Sure, like he always does when he's been drinking. And then when he didn't come home at all... Mrs. When Miss Cantwell stopped by and told me he'd been killed... Well, you know who I think, Donnie? Who? One of that gang that tried to rob Webb's last year. Now, why do you think that? Because Jimson told me one of them was around town. That's why. Jimson knew who he was and didn't report it to the police? Well, how should I know? Hmm. I wonder why not. Now, look, if you all didn't come around to pay me my insurance, what is it you want? Well, what I really stopped by for, Mrs. Cooley, was to see if you'd sell me one of your chickens. Why? Yeah. Why, sure. Only it'll cost you money. Uh, maybe 75 cents? All right. Here. Here's a dollar, and we'll call it even. Well, thank you. Here, you look out for them fancy clothes of yours, and I'll wring its neck. Here you are. Only I suppose you want it plucked, too. No, no, thanks. Suppose you just give me the head. Eh? Yeah, you can have the rest of it for dinner tomorrow. What? And come on, Earl. Let's get back to St. Armand's Key. I'm sorry, Johnny, but I really ought to have some of the materials down at my office for putting that specimen you gave me under the microscope. Of course, if you could wait until morning... Oh, sure, why not? Once more, I could use a little shut-eye. But here. Yeah. Hmm? Take along a sample of the blood from this, too, would you? You've been out raiding somebody's chicken coop? Well, you may want it for comparison, if you know what I mean. 
Oh, yes, Johnny, I think I do. Well, I don't. Earl, why don't you and I go home and get some sleep? And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Early the next morning, I got a phone call from Sergeant Drummond down at headquarters. Yes, sir, Johnny. Some of the boys found him laying in his car on a little wagon trail just off B Ridge Road. Jimson Cooley? Jimson Cooley. Must have been laying there unconscious ever since a burglar slugged him and took him out there. He's a rugged old cuss, so he's in pretty good shape now. What did he say about that burglary, Sergeant? Same as we figured. Man made him open the back door, beat him up, cleaned out the place, and probably thought he'd killed him. So he drove him out to that side road and left him there. What about the stuff that was stolen? Must have transferred it to his own car when he left Jimson there. Was Jimson able to identify him? Said he claimed to be the man we never did get for robbing that store the first time. You want to talk to Jimson? Yes, Sergeant. I'll be right over. I had Earl drive me down to headquarters. I saw Jimson Cooley, talked to him, but learned nothing from him I didn't already know. He was a disagreeable old coot, the sort who would get drunk and beat his wife. He still wore his badly torn clothes, and yes, he had a couple of cuts and bad bruises. But were they enough to account for all the blood we'd found in back of the store? I asked Earl to drive me over to Doc Crutch's office. Well, just finished, Johnny. And? I'm sorry, but the blood that was spilled out in back of that store was not chicken blood. But... Well, now I see what you were driving at, Johnny. You figured maybe Jimson had done the robbery himself. Wait, Earl. Then he'd covered the place with chicken blood to back up that story of a fight with some burglar. Oh, I think he was in a fight, all right. But I don't think he lost. Doc? As I started to say, I wanted to check the blood on that piece of his shirt you brought me here in the office where I have a record of Jimson's blood type. I got it when I made his insurance examination. Or was it his on the shirt? It was human blood, all right, but not Jimson Cooley's. All right, then I guess his story of having been forced to open the store, then beat up and knocked out and left out there in his car by the burglar is true. Wrong, Earl. Well, what do you mean? Why not? Didn't you say you heard a shrimp boat out on the bay last night? Sure, but what's that got to... wife said one of those heavy-weighted shrimp nets was missing, didn't she? Well, yes, I... And remember this. Bill Hall said that one man wouldn't have had time to take all that stuff out of his store alone. So maybe there were two burglars, and I still don't see... Jimson said there was only one, so I think he was helping him. And, Earl, do you think for a minute that Jimson lost all the blood we saw out in back of that store? You saw him there at headquarters. Well, he didn't exactly look as though he couldn't. he didn't. But then, Johnny... First, we wanted to find Jimson's body, but then he turned up alive. Now we'd better find the body of this other man, whoever he is. Uh, You're right, Johnny. Then you'll really have a case. Sure. So, well, let's go fishing. Fishing? Well, you know how it is. When I'm really stuck in a case, everything all muddled up, well, it's time to relax and kind of let your head clear. Come on, let's go. Sure, Earl thought I was crazy. But we unhitched the boat from his private dock and headed up the bayou. Then passed under Humpback Bridge and into the outer end of Sarasota Bay. Out toward City Island, where WSPB has its radio tower. I tied on a heavy trolling rig and tossed the line overboard. Johnny, you're crazy to use that heavy rig out here. The water's real shallow. All it'll do is drag the bottom. A little slower, Earl. Here in the bay, we use live shrimp to get sea trout. 
You know, about a number two hook and no sinker, we bottom fish. Slower, will you? Okay, whatever you say. And so we trolled back and forth over the place where Jimson ran his shrimp line. Johnny, it's no good fishing here with that heavy tackle. If this is where he got his shrimp, there ought to be fish or something. Maybe I'm after that something. I think you've gone nuts. And 15, maybe 20 times, I had to reel in the line and take off a clump of seaweed that had gotten tangled in it. Bill began to get impatient. If we were really going to fish, why didn't we do it right? Then suddenly, the old fluger started to sing. Hold it, Earl. Kill the engine. Yeah, what is it? Just hold your horses. What under the sun have you tied into, Johnny? If this line will hold, we may have what I've been looking for. can't imagine what kind of a fish would be that big here in the bay. It... Oh, fine, fine. All you've done is get snagged up in some old hunk of rotten fish net. Yeah. Or a shrimp net. If you'll just help me get it aboard. Sure. Just a little more, Johnny, and I'll be able to reach the part where you've hooked into it. A little more. A little... Yeah, I got it. Now, give me a hand. All right. Here, now. Oh, they put a lot of lead on these nets. But I never thought they could... John, look what's in it. Yeah. Good Lord. When Jimson was faced with the man's body wrapped in the net he'd sunk out there in the bay, he broke down and told us what had really happened. Even told us where the stolen stuff was hidden. Yeah, the dead man was one of the gang who'd robbed the store a year ago. He persuaded Jimson to help him, do it again, offered him a hundred bucks. But then when he had the stuff, he tried to run out without paying off. So, Jimson had killed him. Now the courts will have to take over. Incidentally, I understand that Webbs is installing a foolproof burglar alarm system. Expense account total, $151.50. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Lillian Baez, Vic Perlin, Harry Bartell, Barney Phillips, Bartlett Robinson, and Bill James. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Time now for... Johnny Dollar. I have your call. Universal Adjustment Bureau in Hartford. Oh, thank you, operator. Hello. Pat McCracken. Johnny Dollar, Pat. Oh, Johnny, I've been trying to reach you. Yeah, I'm in Sarasota, Florida. Oh? Been down here the better part of a week and just thought I'd check oh, to see... Oh, Johnny, I'm glad you called. Can you grab a plane out to the West Coast? Don't see why not. Good. Now, your contact will be Arthur Arthur at Western Maritime and Property, office in Beverly Hills. Got it. What's it all about, Pat? Piracy, according to him. What was that? You heard me. Now, for a second there, I thought you said... Piracy. Maybe you'd better go out there and see him, huh? Yeah. But I still don't believe it. 
daily in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Western Maritime and Property Insurance Company, Beverly Hills office. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Baldero matter. Expense account item one, 146.85, plane ticket to Los Angeles. Earl Foreman, with whom I just finished working on a case, drove me from Sarasota to the International Airport in Tampa. I don't know why not, Johnny. Oh, are you kidding? In this day and age, a bunch of bearded gorillas stripped to the waist, bandanas wrapped around their heads, waving cutlasses. I didn't say that, Johnny. And, and, and Long John Silver, I suppose, leading the boarding party. Oh, Earl, that kind of stuff went on a couple of hundred years ago. Sure, sure. But do you remember that palatial yacht that was boarded and taken over just off San Salvador about a year ago? Well, yes. Convicts from a prison colony on the island of Isabella. They had control of that yacht for three days, Johnny. And when they left, they took along everything of value they could get their hands on. Yeah, I remember. You don't call that piracy? Well, maybe so. You think that's what happened in this case? There's only one way to find out. The flight to Los Angeles was uneventful. Thanks to the time zone differential, it was only 4.30 p.m. when I arrived. Item two, six dollars even for a cab to the Beverly Hilton where I parked my bags. Item three, ten cents for a phone call to Arthur Arthur, who, if I remember correctly, was quite a character. Good insurance man, but, uh, well, a character. Item four, seventy-five cents for a cab to his office on Wilshire Boulevard. Yes, it all happened somewhere off the coast of Mexico. Mr. Baldston and his party were just cruising around. They were just taking life easy. Uh, Baldston is the owner of the yacht? H.B. Baldston. Oh, he's a big stockbroker. He lives here in Beverly Hills at 3124 North Roxbury Drive. And what's the name of his yacht? Uh, the Baldero. Oh, it is a tremendous thing, John. It's, trem it's over 100 feet from stem to stern. Wow. It's 100 it feet long. Arthur, it, uh, it, where does he keep it now? Where does he keep it? Oh, at his dock. He's down there in Balboa. Oh, you know where Balboa is. Yes, yes, I oh, know. Oh, one of the nicest places by the ocean in all of California. Yes. Now, Johnny, if I ever wanted yes, to retire... Uh, that uh, would who were the place. guests on board? Well, let me see. His wife, of course, and Mr. and Mrs. Gerald Hooper, and young Richard Spidel, and Lee Woolway. Just cruising around, huh? Yes, but they'd planned to sail on up to San Francisco for that big charity ball up there on the 30th. Oh. <laughs> That's why they all had their finest clothes, the most expensive jewelry with them. Oh? Yes, sir. $394,000 worth of jewelry. Stolen. Oh, yes. Plus a few other things, too. Mostly silverware, things like that. Actually, it was reported to me by one of the guests on the yacht. These, uh, these pirates simply pulled alongside in the middle of the night, held them at gunpoint, took the stuff and left. That's right, There were two of them. Oh, my, they must have been horrid fellas. Just where off the coast of Mexico did this happen? Well, I'm not quite sure. Mr. Baldiston was, uh, well, he, he was kind of vague about where it happened. You know, he's kind of vague. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe i better talk to him. Uh, yes, by all means, John. Yeah. <laughs> Art, I'll see you later. Item five, fifty bucks, deposit on a rental car. I drove to the Baldiston's home on North Roxbury. 
It was a tremendous place in one of the most wealthy parts of Beverly Hills. A snazzy-looking sports car was parked in the broad driveway, and as I walked up to the front door, another car, a big sedan, pulled in the drive. A heavy-set, well-dressed, rather nice-looking man of about 50 got out of it and came over to me. Are you uh, looking for someone, young man? Well, I believe this is the Baldiston residence. That's right. And I'm Harry Baldiston. Oh, well, my name is Dollar, Mr. Baldiston. Johnny Dollar? The insurance investigator that Mr. Arthur sent for? That's right, sir. Well, come in, come in. We'll have a cocktail or two. I uh, understand it's that time of day, and I'm sure you won't object. Not a bit. Good. And I'll tell you all about the unfortunate affair aboard the Baldero. Happened just night before last, you know. So I understand. But I'm not quite clear as to just exactly where you were when it happened. Down off the Mexican coast, Dollar. Uh, sit down, sit down. Thanks. Yes, it took us nearly 12 hours to get back to Balboa. And at 11 knots, well, you can figure it out for yourself. Uh, Mary Lee? Yes, Harry? Come on down, dear. I want you to meet Mr. Johnny Dollar. Oh, all right, dear. Now, I'll pour us a drink and tell you all about it. So he poured. His wife joined us and we talked. But I'm afraid I didn't learn much more than I already knew. They'd both been asleep when it happened. The so-called pirates had come aboard very quietly. Both they and their guests had been held in their respective cabins by one of the men while the other gathered the loot. The men had worn long oilskin raincoats, had nylon stockings pulled over their faces to conceal their identity. Only one of the guests, Lee Wilway, had even seen the boat they'd used. Balderson never did tell me definitely where it happened. And the more I listened, the more suspicious I got. Yeah, suspicious of him. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. There goes a treasure car. There goes another. And another. And one of them may be your car. Yes, folks, you may have a Fram treasure hunt filter in your car worth $1,000 and not even know it. A Fram filter worth 1,000 silver dollars. A filter change is important to today's cars, so important that Fram Corporation, in conjunction with its silver anniversary, is paying $60,000 in cash to get you to check your filters now. Last year, 10,000 secretly numbered Fram filters were distributed all over the United States and installed in cars during regular servicing. These filters are worth from $1 to $1,000. You may have one in your car and not even know it. A Fram filter worth 1,000 silver dollars. Check your oil filter and air filter now. If there's a specially numbered Fram filter in your car, you will win up to 1,000 silver dollars and your dealer will win the same amount. Get in on Fram's big silver treasure hunt. Check your car filters now. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Baldero Matter. hard to tell just where we were. I keep an engineer on board, and he'd been at the wheel most of the day. But you were anchored for the night. Uh, that's right. You see, we were just killing time until it was time to head north to San Francisco and that uh, charity ball the ladies wanted to go to. Yes, the charity ball. And after waiting two months, now I suppose we'll just have to forget it with all our jewelry gone. Didn't you check your position to find your way back to Balboa? Just headed east, then follow the shoreline. You say that one of your guests... Incidentally, I want to check with them. Oh, by all means. I'll give you their addresses. Yes, there may have been details that we've forgotten, overlooked. After all, we were a bit upset over what had happened. 
And probably more than a little confused. But I know I was. You said that one of your friends got a look at the boat these men used. Yes, yes. Lee Wilway ran up on deck. Of course, it was dark and there was some fog, but uh, Lee said it was a black boat. Well, now you A can't... long black speedboat. Maybe. By the time the rest of us got up there, it had completely disappeared. Then uh, I had uh, Beacon start the diesels, and we made the run back to Balboa. You notified the Coast Guard, of course. Not until he got in. What? Well, Lee had been fooling with the radio earlier. The rest of us were in the main cabin playing cards. And, uh, well, when we tried to send out a call, the transmitter wouldn't work. Well, I find this, Lee Wilway. Here, I've written down the address for you. And our other guests, too. Mr. and Mrs. Hooper and Richard Spidor. Thank you. Now, uh, Mr. Dollar. Mr. Balderston. Yes? I'll see you later. Yeah, there was something very funny about this whole thing. But I wasn't quite sure just what. I checked with Mr. and Mrs. Hooper, elderly, very quiet and dignified. Their story was the same as the Baldistons. Except in one thing. They weren't at all sure it had taken them any 12 hours to get back to port. I drove to the address of Lee Wilway. It was a small apartment below Wilshire. After all, if Lee was the only one awake and alert enough to have taken a good look at the pirates in their boats... Yeah, and what about the yacht's radio that wouldn't work after Lee had spent the evening fooling with it? Yes? Oh, I beg... Well, uh, that is, I'm looking for Lee Wilway. I'm Lee. Who are you? Believe me, Charles of the Ritz would have been proud of this one. A living doll. Twenty-three or four, she was tall, slim, and a pretty face topped with red hair that looked oh so carefully disarranged. Yeah, she was a beauty. And yet, as we talked, I couldn't quite picture this gal on a yachting trip with the Baldistons. Gee, no, I haven't the least idea where we were when it happened, Johnny. It could have been a million miles out to sea, but if Baldy... <laughs> I mean, Mr. Baldiston says it took us 12 hours to get back. It must have taken us 12 hours. And you're sure you didn't recognize either of the men who boarded the yacht, Lee, huh? No, I certainly didn't, but I saw the boat they had. It was a long black one. Solid black? Solid black. Did anyone else on board see that boat? No. At least, I don't think so. What did you do after they left? Went up to the bridge, to the radio. Uh, didn't they tell you? To call the Coast Guard? Well, yeah, sure, only... They said uh, you were at the radio earlier. Yes, just listening. But after it was over and I tried to call the Coast Guard, well, it just wouldn't work. Like another drink, Johnny? The Baldistons and Hoopers were playing bridge earlier. Yes. Look, Johnny, have you had dinner yet? Where were the other guests? Dicky boy? Yes, Dick Spidel. Oh, I don't know. And what did he do after you were boarded and robbed? Huh. He was probably down in his cabin with his head under the covers, scared to death. If he had any nerve, he could have stopped them, too. What do you mean? Well, his was the one cabin they didn't go into. They didn't bother him. And he knew there was a rifle they used for shooting sharks. He knew it was on the rack just outside his door. And if he'd come up shooting with it, why, Larry, well, those pirates would have jumped overboard and run for home. I just bet they would. Apparently, you don't think much of this Dick Spidle. Would you? I mean, acting like that? I mean, doing nothing when he could have? Incidentally, when I stopped at the Baldistons, I saw a sports car outside. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a dreamboat? It's Larry's. Who's Larry? Larry Baldiston. He's my... Oh, gee, Johnny, I'm getting hungry. Why don't we have another drink and then have some dinner? Hmm? Sorry, but I'm afraid I can't. I'm not used to being turned down, Johnny. Well, I'm sorry, but there are a couple of people I've got to see. Oh, like who? Your friend Dick Spidel, among others. Oh. 
I'll see you later, Lee. I'll be here, Johnny. I guess I'm not as familiar with the streets of Los Angeles as I thought. It took me over half an hour to find Spidal's apartment. It was one of those ultra-swank affairs just off Sweetser Avenue below the famous Sunset Strip. I parked under a big palm tree. Then, as I backed out of my car, another one roared up and stopped behind me. The glare of the headlights partly blinded me. For just a minute, you. Ah. Johnny Dollar, huh? That's right. Who are you? Here. Oh! Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Ever have trouble sleeping nights because of acid indigestion, heartburn, or gas? Then remember, for acid indigestion, nothing but Tums works so fast to make you feel so good so long. Tums work fast. Get rid of the burning excess acids that won't let you sleep. In a matter of seconds, you begin to feel better, and Tums relief stays with you. You relax, go to sleep pleasantly, because Tums bring complete relief. Get rid of burning excess stomach acids completely. Nothing but Tums works so fast to make you feel so good so long. So when acid indigestion keeps you awake, take Tums. Keep a handy roll of Tums on the night table within easy reach. And remember, there's no mixing or fixing with Tums. You don't even need to get out of bed. Get the very best. Get Tums, 10 cents, three roll pack a quarter. Or get the new six roll pack with free metal carrier, only 49 cents. Always carry Tums, T-U-M-S. Keep your tummy under Tums control. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. The headlights of my attacker's car had partly blinded me, but I'd seen enough of it to know it was the same one I'd seen at the home of Mr. Balderston. Yeah, his son Larry's. But I came to to find myself parked behind the wheel of my own car. And lying on the seat beside me were five crisp hundred-dollar bills and a note. Take this money and get out of town, it said. You have no case anyway because the things that were stolen off the yacht have been returned. So you may as well leave while you have your health. No signature. There was only one person in the world I wanted to see at that moment, Larry Balderston. But I felt a bit rocky since I was at the front door of Dick Spidal's apartment. Since I'd really come to see him... And if I was lucky, he might have a good stiff drink handy. Feeling better now, Mr. Dollar? Yeah, yeah, I am. Thanks, Dick. It's Richard, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, sure. But uh, go on with what you were saying. Well, the whole thing was absurd, of course. But the only reason Mrs. Balderston insisted on taking Lee on that yachting trip into the charity affair, and of course I was supposed to be her escort, was to shame her, to shore up. How do you mean? Well, after all, in spite of her beauty, she is a rather common person, rather cheap. So Mrs. Balderston hoped that facing her with the ladies and gentlemen who attend the ball would embarrass her. Oh, I see. And that she'd realize she has no place among people like ourselves. People like you are just too good for her. Well, to put it bluntly, yes. In any event, Mrs. Balderston hoped it would break off this rather sordid romance. Romance? Mm. She and Lawrence Balderston. Larry, she calls him. And Lee is only after his money. But I take it Larry got wind of this little plan. Lawrence said that he would prevent its being carried out if it was the last thing he ever did. So he staged the piracy bet. Oh, I'm sure it was he. He's always done silly things like that, Mr. Dollar. Rich, headstrong, spoiled as he is. 
So when I heard the noise up on deck, I simply locked myself in my cabin and refused to budge when he and whoever he had helping him boarded the yacht. All because you were scared? I beg your pardon. Thanks a lot, Dick. It's Richard. You've been a lot of help. Oh, and incidentally. Yes? You think Lee Wilway was in on it, too? That that's why she spent so much time on the ship's radio earlier in the evening? Indubitably. So that she could guide him to the yacht in his speedboat. His speedboat, of course, has all sorts of radio equipment aboard. What color is that speedboat? A mahogany. Why? Lee said the pirates were using a solid black boat. Which simply proves she was on to his plan. What do you mean? Well, the stupid... The wench was lying, that's all. Yeah, maybe you're right. Thanks, Dick. <sighs> it's Richard if you don't... Dollar, do come in. Thank you, Mrs. Walderston. My husband's on the telephone talking to the engineer of our yacht down in Balboa. Oh. And what do you think has happened? I, I think I can guess. That's fine. Just stay on watch and I'll be back down there to pick those things up in the morning. Goodbye. It's true, Mary Lee. Oh, splendid. Whoever took them from us returned everything to the boat. Everything is... Oh, Mr. Dollar. Did you hear that? Yes, I heard. Where's your son, Larry, or Lawrence, or whatever you call him? Larry? Well, as a matter of fact, oh, the I... dear boy came in just a little while ago. Where is he? Uh, in the study, I believe. He said he had a call to make on the other phone. Thanks. Why, what's wrong, Mr. Dollar? Uh, Mr. Dollar! Yes, I saw you through the window, Lee. Trying to make up to that guy, Dollar. And let me tell you this. Let me give you this! Ooh. Larry, what is it? Want some more, Larry? Yeah. Now, listen, Dollar... Well, if that's the way you feel about it, you and that family of yours can... Well, I'm set up. I said, do you want some more or do you want to start talking? Okay, okay, I did it. I rigged the whole thing, uh, Jimmy Driscoll and I, because I was fed up with the way Mother was trying to run my life. Lawrence, dear. Yeah, but maybe she was right about Lee, after all. Of course she was, son. Why, of course, dear. But now, look, Dollar... If you think you can get away with barging in here and slugging me... Oh, oh you... No, yes, why? You want some more? Oh, my God, you'll be broke. Enough, Larry, huh? You had enough? Yeah, 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 okay, Dollar. Okay. Sorry, Mr. Balderston, but I kind of owed it to him. Dollar, I've been hoping somebody do that for a long time. What? Sure, I, I've spoiled him, too. It's been my fault as much as his mother's. My fault? But I never had any idea he'd carry things as far as he did. Of course, if you like, sir, I could prefer assault charges for his attack on me earlier. No, 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 I don't think it'll be necessary. And I'm much obliged to you. But my poor boy... Just leave him alone, Mary Lee. Oh. And suppose you leave us alone while I settle things with Mr. Dollar. <laughs> case? Forget it. The 500 that Larry mistakenly tried to bribe me with, plus a nice fat check for Mr. Balderston. Well, much as the thought of it hurts me, let's forget the expense account, too. Okay? Okay. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week? Oh, wait a minute. Belated congratulations to Station WJLS in Beckley, West Virginia on its 20th anniversary. Next week, I really go fishing. Yeah, 
for a body in the middle of Lake Mead. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking.